After a lifetime of researching the dynamic and enigmatic world of light entertainment, I've decided to ditch my notebook and meet the people who inspire me. What makes them the people they are? How do they feel about the show business landscape in which they find themselves? And in a world where anyone can be a star, is there still a need for performers who have universal appeal? Come with me on a journey of discovery as I get a unique insight into Britain's favourite stars with a little help from my glamorous assistants. Yeah, well, I say glamorous, more like hazardous. And of course, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. Television actress Julie Hesmond-Hulsh became a household name in 1998 when she made her first appearance as Hayley Cropper in the heavyweight serial drama Coronation Street. Yet Hayley had a significant secret which became a watershed for British television as the first ever transgender character in a soap. For 14 years, Julie perfectly fitted the part of Hayley alongside on-screen partner Roy, played by David Nielsen. After The Cobbles, Julie starred in Russell T Davis's comedy drama Cucumber, which tackled middle-aged freedom. I caught up with a character actress while she walked her dog to talk soaps, comedy and her hopes for the future. Ladies and gentlemen, Julie Hesmond-Harsh. Uh, the 90s were a successful period for Coronation Street, with highlights including the wrong imprisonment of Deirdre Barlow, the Curly, Des and Raquel love triangle and Jack and Vera buying the Rovers. How did you feel joining the show in such a defining era? Um, well, I don't think that you ever think of it as a defining era when you come into something. And you, um, I mean, I've watched Corey all my life. I'm from Lancashire and it's, uh, it's part of our DNA to watch it. So, so it always seemed like a golden period to me. And, um, and the funny thing was, was that I, at that time during the 90s, was probably more of a Brookside girl or uh, an East Enders girl because I've always been a sort of a social justice um, warrior. Yeah. <laughs> and those shows were the ones that were tackling issues in ways that Corrie just never, ever did in, during that period. And um, and I was seeing for myself how soaps and um, serial dramas could really change things and change people's perceptions of various issues, you know, and uh, and I and I always wanted to be part of something like that, sort of taking something that people didn't really understand to a mass audience. So whenever I say this, it sounds like I'm making it up because it sounds preposterous. But I'd written sort of a list of things that I wanted to achieve um, before I was thirty, and one of them was to be in um, in a soap and playing a character that had. Um, a kind of issue attached to it that might change people's perceptions. Um, so, and I never in a million years thought that that soap would be Coronation Streets because it just wasn't really the thing that they did. And actually, when they brought Haley into the show, it really wasn't for that purpose. It was always going to be that um, it was just a joke storyline of one of a string of disastrous dates for Roy. Um, but not in my head. As soon as I knew that that character was transgender, I thought, oh, this is a real opportunity to bring that, up, that, that issue into people's homes and get people to know a person who's going through something rather than just an issue. So so it was a, it was a perfect little bit of um, kismet, really. This, um, so, and that it was Coronation Street was the best thing in the world for me because that was the soap I'd grown up with and that's the soap that my family loved the best. So, um, so it was an amazing thing. Yeah. 
Lovely. So the first time we saw Hayley, she was working at the infamous supermarket Better Buys alongside Alma Baldwin. How enjoyable was it to play alongside the legendary Amanda Barry? Well, it was an incredible thing to work beside her. She was so lovely and so welcoming. And, um, I mean, the first day in that place is completely overwhelming because there's people that you've known off the telly for years just there in the flesh in front of you and they're suddenly your colleagues. It takes a little bit of getting used to. And, of course, with Amanda, because they're not just Corrie, but everything that she'd done before that, um, but she was just wonderful. She is wonderful, and she just like takes you on and uh, looks after you, and it was just brilliant. So yeah, it was a it was a really wonderful thing. And then obviously Alma was instrumental in introducing Haley to Roy. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely so, instrumental. Yeah. When you were doing the first few scenes, she was trying to fix me up with Curly, I think, at the time. Oh right, and, okay. and Roy and Roy tagged along. Uh, it was almost accidental that Haley and Roy got on so well. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were doing those first few scenes with David Nilsson, did you have any idea then how popular Roy and Haley would eventually become? Well, no. I mean, you you couldn't possibly, but. Um, when I met David for the first time, it just so happened that we had the same agent. Um, so I knew a little bit about him. And when we met up, it was really clear that um, that we had a lot in common, that we would get on, that it would be a good working relationship. Um, and then when we started doing things together, um, we just absolutely loved it and we worked really really well together and it's one of those things that I mean we didn't meet before I kind of came onto set now they do all sorts of screen tests and chemistry tests as they call them to see whether the actors get on and whether there's a spark and and it was just um it was just one of those like magical things that it just works and uh and you can't manufacture that you know it was just all the all the stars aligned really with the story um, with the issue and the timing of the, that introduction of it. And as I say, I was supposed to just be a character who just came in and then left after a few weeks. Um, and he would go on to another disastrous date. But yeah. um, what they didn't anticipate was how well it would work between us and how the public would get behind them straight away. So so they brought me back. So, yeah. and, uh, and the rest is history, really. <laughs> So it was Roy then who Haley first confided in about being transgender. As yes. an as an actor, how daunting was that to bring an issue like that to life? And what was the sort of process that went on to perfect the character of Haley? Well, I wasn't daunted by it at all because it was exactly what I wanted. And uh, you know, I was twenty seven at the time, and I was very involved in LGBT politics in Manchester. Um, so it was something that. I felt up for it, I felt up for the job. I felt very, um, very certain that even though various trans organisations were incredibly sceptical about them casting a cisgender um, actor in that role, me, um, I felt then, not now, that um, I just thought it would be unbearable pressure on a a trans actor to, to do that. So, um, I just took it on. I went straight to um, Frontline Books, which is a kind of um, radical bookshop in Manchester, and got as many books as I could on the issue, and armed myself with facts, and 
and I made it really clear to the various trans organisations who got in touch with Corey at the time that you know that I would honour them and that I was uh, an ally and that I would do my absolute best to portray her and her struggles um, with integrity. And they took me on then when they saw how much it was working and, you know, we were we were mentioning Parliament for how, I mean, it's a right, it's obviously not us, but um, how things had changed in the law um, because of Roy and Haley and because of, like, a change in public perception. Yeah. Um, so it'll be to the day I die, one of the things I'm most proud of. Well, yeah, Josh has actually asked, sort of how... How do you think that helped to move television on? Because it was quite before its time, wasn't it, in terms of exposure for... Yeah, it was, and, and accidentally so, you know, as I say, it wasn't, wasn't ever supposed to be an issue like like it would be now. Yeah. Um, I think it's... Um, well, I'm not sure how it moved television on, actually. I think that, I think that it almost worked because of, because of the time and because of where we were that... That it was, they would bring in a character like that with no agenda, yeah. apart from it to be a joke, which obviously wasn't helpful or good at all. But that it accidentally turned into this thing because, you know, as we know, the way to fight prejudice is to get to know somebody, you know, from a particular group that you're prejudiced against. And, yeah. and when you're in somebody's living rooms for four nights a week, as it was then, and. Um, and people are rooting for your relationship, you know, people would be saying to me all the time, oh, when, when are Roy and Haley getting married? And I'd be saying, well, you know, it's, it's against the law, I'm afraid. You know, it's the, they can't get married. And they'd be like, well, never mind that, they need to be together. And, mm. and you know, and quite soon afterwards, you know, um, equal marriage rights came in for trans people. And, and that's <laughs> it's an incredible thing, you know. It's, yeah. uh, it's like an almost imperceptible shift in public opinion about something. And, and I think that's a real nod to what popular culture can do in that respect. And I've always believed in that. Yeah, definitely. So in 2013, Haley discovered that she had pancreatic cancer, which resulted in an emotional few months for her and Roy. As an actor, do you feel like a, a sense of responsibility to get a story like that right? Like you say about being in people's homes and being yeah, related. Very much so. Yeah. yeah, very much so. And that was, uh, and that for me was the perfect, well, it was the perfect end to, to that story in so many ways because when I decided to leave, I went and it was the day the new producer, Stuart Blackburn, took over. And I went to see him and told him that I, I was ready to leave. And he said, well, you know, we'll have to kill you. And I knew that because. I knew that they would never... I knew that David wasn't ready to leave the show. He mm. plays Roy. Yeah. And, and they would never split up. There's, there's no real reason why Roy and Haley would ever split up. So I knew that it would be that. And I was very lucky that they gave me this really long and very beautifully done storyline, I think. And so there were two issues that came with it. One was the pancreatic cancer, which is a cancer that, you know, very few people um, know about, particularly then, knew about. It's a bit of a mysterious cancer. It's a quite invisible cancer that just comes and gets you. The survival rate is incredibly low. There's very little awareness about it and there's very little funding for it. Um, so just as we did that storyline, it just so happened that this really wonderful woman, Maggie Watts, had set up a petition after she'd lost her husband to pancreatic cancer and she was trying to get 100,000 signatures so that she could um, have a debate in Parliament about funding for pancreatic cancer. 
and uh, and that coincided with the storyline. So she got in touch with me, I got behind the petition, and over that year we managed to get the hundred thousand signatures, and we ended up going to Parliament um, to to watch the debate about it, which was you know where people were very very keen to show their admiration for Coronation Street for bringing it into public awareness again. And then, of course, on top of that, there was the right to die storyline, which I know is an incredibly contentious issue, um, especially you know amongst disability movements. And and I and I felt that that was a very interesting way of tying in Haley's past because she was terrified of um, regressing at the end and not knowing who she was again. And forgetting that she'd become Haley, and uh, and that actual storyline coincided with the Wolfenden um, report and the and the big debate around right to die. And, and again, no matter what people think about that, I thought it was really great that in people's living rooms, people were having that debate. Yeah. You know, starting those conversations. So I was very proud of that too. Yeah. So, um, moving away from Coronation Street, after Corrie, you went on to star in Russell T. Davis's provocative comedy drama, Cucumber. How much of a culture shock was it to go from a long-running soap to an edgy comedy drama? Um, I don't know, really. I mean, it was a, it was a culture shock to have to audition for the first time in 16 years. That was quite a big, a big thing for me, to have to go and do a TV audition and and to see how things have moved on, and, and television and theatre have moved on so much in those 16 years that I was kind of in my little bubble, Corey. Um, but the job itself, it just couldn't have been better. You know, in fact, my daughter asked me yesterday what my favourite telly job has been, and I think it was Cucumber. It was this, like, glorious summer where we had such a brilliant cast and crew. We were filming in Manchester felt like it was sunshine all the time we all really believed in it you know yeah. I think there was general disappointment that it didn't do quite as well as anybody hoped in terms of ratings and things people who stuck with it really got the payoff but but in terms of the process of it of the joy of being part of that and speaking Russell T Davis's words every day yeah and uh and just the, and just the difference in the way that you, you, you're not, not to be treated is a bit too overstated, but but it's a very different world when you're not in the factory that is a long-running serial drama. Yeah. You know, when you're doing a one-off like that with Channel 4 that's well-funded and, you know, and well-thought of, it's a, it's a bit of a different kettle of fish, and that was a very lovely thing too. So, so yeah, I, I had an amazing time on it, and um, I adjusted very well. I feel like the older I get... The, the, the easier I'm finding change and moving forward and leaving jobs and going on to the next, you know, I used to find that, find that incredibly painful and I'm getting better and better at that and just uh, adjusting and assimilating with whatever, you know, next job I'm in. So. Yeah. And, and I suppose doing something sort of similar in regards to highlighting sort of social issues and thing like things like that but in a completely different way by using comedy and stuff that was must have been a bit of a challenge for you yeah well well no i mean because Corey was always funny you know so yeah. so yeah the lightness of touch of both those shows you know and russell said started you know he was always 
he was a writer on Corrie for a bit and he was a massive, massive Corrie fan. It's, uh, it's in him as well. You know, they're not that dissimilar really in the way that, that they approach stuff. So, you know, the, the, there was a lot of comedy in Cucumber, but there's a lot of really serious, heartbreaking stuff as well. And, you know, as befitting for Corrie, I think. Hmm. Why do you think it wasn't as popular as, as he would have hoped? Um, I think, I, I don't know is the honest answer, but I, it seems to me that there was a lot of hype about it and a lot of people thought that it was going to be almost like a follow-on for Queer as Folk that people really loved. And um, and I think that maybe, maybe the world wasn't quite ready um, for a show about um, middle-aged gay men you know, the the less beautiful end of the spectrum of, like, gay experience and, and about all the problems and issues that come with that. And um, and I think that, you know, in the first episode, um, the main character uh, played brilliantly by Vince. You know, it, it, there was no attempt to make him likeable. It's a bit of a nasty piece of work on the quiet, you know, a very selfish man. And, um, and people couldn't quite connect with it, maybe. But... I kept saying to people, please stick with it because this is a whole world, you know, with a massive ensemble that you're going to be engaged in. And by the time it got to, I think it was episode six, which was the sort of like seminal episode where um, his husband, his his boyfriend was murdered by the um, closeted gay sort of uh, swimming instructor. That was... People who stuck with it to that point were just like, oh, actually, this is this is an incredible series and it's been worth sticking with. But um, but by then, I think we'd lost a few people on the way and it hadn't been the success that Queer as Folk had been. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was only ever going to be a one-off. Um, it was never going to go to a second series and we all knew that. Mm. Um, so there was no disappointment in that. But um, I think it'll always be held up as a bit of a cult classic. And... Um, and that more and more people watch it over the years. Yeah. And, and it always amazes me. People people often talk to me about it, people who really are proper fans of it, and it, that always makes me dead happy. Yeah. And so uh, recently then, you've also enjoyed a stint at the Manchester Exchange where you've starred in a play entitled Wit. Is that right? Uh, well, I'm there at the moment, actually, doing Mother Courage, yeah. Oh. Um, but I was in Wit three years ago now. I've done two plays there since then. Oh. And uh, this is my third play since then, yeah. So I did Wit, The Almighty Sometimes, the greatest play in the history of the world, which is a play that my husband wrote, a one-woman show that we took to Edinburgh as well. And now I'm doing Mother Courage, which is like Breck's classic anti-war play, a new a new kind of steampunk version of that. Oh, okay. So I'm, uh, I'm performing in that at the moment. I've got two shows today, actually. Oh, right. So, yeah, The Exchange is very much... Uh, my home theatre and uh, place I used to visit with school when I was a teenager and it's just uh, yeah, it's just my favourite theatre on earth it's just beautiful and brilliant So have you always been involved in sort of uh, theatre and plays or is it something which you've been Well only now? because I, I, I was at school when you know the arts were held in some regard I only went to like a comprehensive school but you know we had we had teachers who you know, we're, we're into sort of, we're into the arts and wanted to expose us to as many things as possible. So we had school trips there and uh, and that changes things. You know, it means that you, um, it just means that you, 
it's a different world really and then I was really lucky that I went to a brilliant further education college in Accrington and we had a brilliant teacher who made us feel like it was possible for us to be part of that world as well which is how I ended up being involved so so yeah yeah it's uh, it's um it is something that's always been in my life but not because I'm from a family that used to go to the theatre awards or anything like that yeah. just because of school and just say oh it's alright love I'll come past don't worry so I'm just walking my dog and we've just uh, just come across two other dogs that don't get on with mine <laughs> <laughs> go on carry on James okay so um, we just want to ask looking back at your career what would you say your proudest achievement is um, I have a, I have a few I think I think if I have to choose one, I'm really proud of everything I've done, actually. I did a play called Black Roses, which was about um, the murder of Sophie Lancaster, who was a, a young goth who was murdered in a town not far from where I grew up. And it was just a little tiny two-hander that we did at the exchange. And then we took on tour to, um, to sort of estates and stuff in, in West Cumbria. And, and that was one of the most amazing jobs in my life, telling that story and getting that story out. And, yeah. uh, and again, you know, changing people's perceptions of uh, alternative cultures and so I'm very proud of that but I think if I had to choose one just because of the pure um, breadth of impact of it and the really kind of clear journey from uh, you know in a society from being very unaccepting of something to being you know reasonably accepting of it it would have to be Haley, I think and, and I think I'll always be remembered for that no matter what I do Subsequently, I think that yeah. that'll be, you know, me a history picture, and and I'm and I'm happy with that. I'm really proud of it. Not just because of the trans issues, but as I say, because of the pancreatic cancer issues, and and also for being, yeah, just a very very conservative with a small C couple who yeah. loved each other. You know, over sixteen years, like in a soap, that is unheard of. Hmm. You know, and and it's just, uh, and I'm really proud of that too. Yeah, great. So, um. Lastly, what's next? What we've got planned? Well, I'm doing this play at the Royal Exchange at the moment, which is uh, is going really, really well. Really loving that. Um, that's on for another couple of weeks. I've got a book out, um, which is a working diary that I was commissioned to write by Metty um, Wynn at Bloomsbury. Um, so that goes from November 2016 to November 2017. And it's just all about my working life. But it's... Um, it kind of took a, a, a unexpected turn, really, because I, I run both. I mean, for, for one, it, it was great because I run a little theatre company in Manchester, a political theatre company in Manchester called Tapeback. So, so what about the stuff we were doing for that? There was also the um, we were doing the publicity for Broadchurch at the time. Again, that's something I'm really proud of. You know, the conversations about sexual violence and rape came from that. Um, but right in the middle of that year was the arena bombing in Manchester and. My husband and eldest daughter happened to be there, and um, and although they were very luckily um, safe and didn't really even witness the worst of it, you know it had a massive effect on us as a family, yeah. and um, and you know and on Manchester and and to be in this city and of this city as it responded to that attack with art and culture and love. And music, rather than with hate and recrimination, 
is something that you know I was so proud to be part of and to witness and uh, so the book's a little bit about that as well so yeah so that's out at the moment so I'm, I'm dead chuffed about that and then I've got a couple of telly things lined up which I can't tell you about but mm. uh, but they're quite nice uh, nice couple of things coming up and there's a possibility of which happening again as well okay. which will be great if we can make that happen three years on right. okay I think that's it. I think that's. <laughs> we'll let you get on with your dog walk. Well, thank you very much, no, thank Josh. You. Thank you. Brilliant. A big thank you to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you like this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy? Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates of forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time for another Beyond the Title interview.